God changed anyone in this room today. Well, come on, let's lift him up right now. Lift up your voices. Come on, lift up your hearts. Come on, acknowledge how good he's been to you. Come on and celebrate him. God, you've changed us. You've delivered us. You've made us whole. You've made us free. We celebrate you this morning because you are the God that sees us as righteous, as holy, as beloved, and as accepted. Father, and we thank you for the freedoms that we have. We're free to worship you this morning. We're free to love you this morning, God. We're free to lift up our hands and open up our mouths and lift up our hearts to you this morning. You've made us free beings, Father. And we thank you for the right to exercise that freedom this morning through praise and worship. God, you're such an awesome God. And it is an honor to be called children of the Most High God. And it's an even greater honor to be able to worship you just for who you are. And Father, we've come for that sole purpose today to give you the glory that is due unto your name. That's why you want the general assembly. That's why you want us to gather together so that we can give you the glory that is due unto your name. Come on, has God been good to anyone in this past week? Come on, I just asked the question. Has God been good to anyone in this past week? Come on, give him the glory that is due unto his name. If you look up that word do there in Psalms, it literally means something old. It's a debt that we have to pay because everything that we have came from God. Coming back just every week to say thank you, to glorify his name means so much to him. You make his heart pleased when you do that. And so, Father, we've prepared our hearts to receive your holy word today, Father. We have decreased simply because you have increased. It is less of us and more of you, Father. I declare every person that's sick is made well at the sound and authority of my voice. Every person battling low self-esteem and depression right now, we curse it at its root. And we declare that they are righteous, holy, beloved, and accepted in you, Father. And they see themselves the way you see them. Father, I declare that marriages are being made whole. Children are coming back to God. Families are being restored in this place as I'm praying, Father. That's because you have increased. And when you increase, more of you gets manifested in us. And so, Father, I pray that your word will find its mark today will touch every heart that hears, whether it's through live stream or physically in this service. And not one person will walk out of here the same way that they came in. And we'll give you all the glory for all the good that'll come out of this service. In Jesus' name, and everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Come on, one more time. Everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Would you all do me a favor? Let's give the hardest working music department in Cobb County. Can we give them a big round of applause today? Thank you all. It's probably not a helps group that has sacrificed more uh, than this department right here. They've had to rehearse over five years and I don't know, five or six different places. Uh, and they've just been flexible, willing to adjust, not complaining about it. And uh, I just wanted to acknowledge that publicly. It takes people like that to help us get here, okay? needed to say that uh, and uh, let you all know that I appreciate that. It hasn't been easy on any of us, uh, but I know it hasn't been easy on you all. And thank you for your willingness to just be flexible, to bend, uh, do whatever needed to be done so that we could be a blessing to the people on Sunday mornings. So thank you all. You all can be seated. Love on somebody today. Just compliment them. Speak life into them. Be nice to somebody today. I want to welcome our streaming audience today. We are so glad to have you uh, in our presence and in our midst today. Uh, we pray that you'll be abundantly blessed even though you're watching it through live stream. It'll be like you're physically in the service today. Today we will conclude first things first at Linked Up Church. And what we're looking to do is begin to establish culture here at Linked Up. And so in the introduction, the degree of fulfillment and success 
we experience in life is highly contingent upon how we maintain our priorities. How many know our priorities are important to God? Amen. Right? If you're raising children, the best thing you can teach them is work then reward. Yeah. Right? Because so many people in life just want to have fun. How I many know having fun is okay after you take care of your business? And so priorities are important. And someone said, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And so when we accept Jesus' lordship over our lives, we are yielding ourselves to the authoritative influence of his word and of his spirit. Once we find out what he said, then we come under that. Once the spirit begins to move in a certain direction, we follow that. If we continue to establish that and keep that as a priority, the word will always lead you to victory and his spirit will always lead you to victory. The good news I want to share with you today is that you already have it right now. It just takes the word to lead you there. It takes obeying the promptings of the spirit to get you there. And so we talked about Three, or we're talking about three first uh, that, the, that God prescribes to us as believers. The first was your first love. Never lose that passion that you had for God when you first gave your life to him. Make prayer a priority. Getting here 10 minutes before service is such a tremendous honor to God. You're saying, God, you're the most important thing to me on Sunday morning. And the people that you're going to minister to today, I want to get there and pray for myself, and I want to pray for them. When uh, praise and worship goes forth, keeping God first means I'm honoring God through praise and worship, right? I'm praising. I'm not staring and watching everybody else, but I'm giving God the glory that is due unto his name. The way you separate those that know God and those that just come to church is doing worship, right? Because anyone can praise God, only the true worshipers can worship him in spirit and in truth. Right? And, and then when that word comes forth, make that a priority. Don't just sit there like you're in a movie theater. But listen as if it is God speaking directly to you. And you're listening to hear, God, where is it you're leading me and taking me and directing me today? And remember, a sermon will never change your life and it will never mature you. It's not until you take what you learn home, study it for yourself. Hello, somebody. And then apply it to your life that you can begin to see real growth, real change, and real maturity. Other than that, you're just attending church. Number two we talked about last week, keeping the kingdom first. And that can be seen in so many different ways in our lives. Uh, and I won't go back through all of that because I want to make sure I close today. But really, it's God's way of doing and being right. Once I find out what God says and how I know he's the one that already made me right, so the being is his responsibility. The doing is my responsibility. And so I just want to make sure his kingdom is first in everything that I do in my marriage. If anything you want God to bless, then put God first in it. Amen. Everybody agree with that? Right? Anything you want him to bless, put him first. Let's get to where we want to get to today. Let's talk about others first today. Let's talk about others first and really listen to the context today uh, when we talk about others first. The Word of God places a tremendous emphasis upon our relationship with others. If you're following along today, version Bible app, just go to the events section, click on Linked Up Church. The outline is right there. I always give you more than the outline so that you can write notes, add additional scriptures, so that you can engage in the service and not just uh, spectate. But that's the best way to follow along today. Others first. God and the Word of God places a tremendous emphasis on our relationship with others. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor you matter. Look at the neighbor on the other side and say, you matter too. Now, point to yourself and say, I matter. Now, give God glory for that today. Others matter and you matter. Go with me to John chapter 1. Everyone know this text. You know, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know that the Word uh, was Jesus, right? Uh, in John chapter 1, 
that word became flesh and dwelt among us in verse or chapter or chapter 1 verse 14 we know that John was the voice in the wilderness so the entire chapter is really talking about Jesus and it's talking about John let's pick up the story in verse 35 and I want to show you something here we're talking about others first today John chapter 1 let's pick it up at verse 35 John chapter 1 verse 35 are you there says, again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. So whose disciples are these? Are these Jesus' disciples or are these John's disciples? Whose? Say it with conviction. These are John's disciples, right? I want to make that clear. So again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. So John is standing with two of his disciples. Jesus walks by. He tells his two disciples, Behold or look the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? How many of those things have not changed? They wanted to know where Jesus lived. You know, a lot of times when people come to a church, the first thing they want to know is where does the pastor live? What kind of car does he drive? I don't know why people do that, but this was important to them. They were like, where are you staying? What does that have to do with him being the Lamb of God? Right? John said, behold the Lamb of God. They followed him because what they wanted to know was, where, where do you live? Amen. Just kind of showing you how people are, right? So they said, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. And see, when you do things above board, you live your life as an open book. You don't have things to hide when you do things the right way. It's only when you're trying to hide stuff that then people begin to get red flags and begin to think about, well, what's wrong? What, what potentially is going on here? Because nobody, is, everybody's hiding everything. So he didn't have a problem with that, did he? He said, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and then they remained with him that day. Now, it was about the 10th hour, which was about 4 p.m. in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Okay, this is Andrew, and Andrew's brother is Simon Peter. Watch this now. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. How many of y'all have Jesus in your life right now? Has that same Jesus that's living in your heart been good to you? Then do you know it is a natural reaction then to go and go get your family members and introduce them to the Jesus that has changed your life? Come on, I'm preaching better than anybody saying amen in here. And I'm talking about it is an instant priority that what I've seen him do in me, the people I love the most, I must introduce them to him. So he first found his own brother, Simon. First thing he did was went and found his own brother, Simon, and he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ. Watch this. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, I believe the scripture brings a lot of different things out that I'll point out in a moment, but we all have those family members who we think I want to minister to them, but it would take Jesus. Come on, am I the only one? We, we, we all have family members that we look at that one and we say, am I right or wrong? But I'm going to teach you something today. That's the very one that Jesus wants. Because guess what? I was that person at one point in my life. You were that person at one point in your life. And you cannot, you must believe that what he did in you, he has the power and the ability to do in somebody else. 
Come on, I need a better amen than that in this place. Come on, we all come from somewhere, and God has delivered us. He saved us. Come on, we sung about it today. He's made us free, and the people that we love the most, we've got to go get them. We've got to bring them and introduce them to the same Jesus that changed our life and believe that he can change their lives as well. So he goes on to say here, he brought him to Jesus. Notice he didn't just pray for him. You know, when you really love people, you go to them. Right? Mother Teresa made a quote. You'll hear me use this during the 21 days of prayer. Powerful quote, Mother Teresa. She said that you can pretty much tell a, how much a person depends on God by, the, by their prayer life. And think about that. If I've been really dependent on God in prayer for my brother, it's going to lead me to my brother. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. This is going to shock you, folks. Jesus knew your cousin, your friend. He knew them before the foundation of the world. You introducing to them to Jesus is not his first time knowing them. It'll be their first time getting to know him. But he's been waiting on them. Oh, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. He immediately, without no introduction, look at what he says here. You are Simon, the son of Jonah. Now, I want to teach you something else. They don't know how accurate they were today, how powerful they were today with their song selection, how much of an agreement between song and spirit and word was flowing today. Look at what Jesus says. He calls him by his natural name first. Then he says, you shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Jesus will always see what you're becoming. He never sees what you are. I'm going to let that sink in for a moment. See, we're dealing with people based off of what we can see. He only deals with us based off of what we'll become. So he called him. He made sure he know, I know who you are in the natural. But spiritually, your name is Cephas because you're a stone. You're a rock. And you might recall later on in Matthew when he said, who do men say that I am? The other disciples said, some John, some Elijah, others, one of the prophets. But he looked at Cephas, he looked at Peter, and he said, but who do you say that I am? And it was that same Peter that said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus turned to him because he came back for these words. He turned to him and he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. He wasn't talking about Peter the rock. He was talking about the revelation knowledge that Peter had that God would build his church upon. Folks, God never sees you or your family members the way that you are. He sees you as what you're becoming. And he says you are holy. He says you are beloved. He says that you are righteous. He calls you debt free long before you ever become debt free. Come on, I wish there was an ounce of faith in this building today. Come on, he calls you victorious. He always calls you what you're becoming, never what you are. And he said, you are Cephas. Now, let me teach you something about this. From the moment he calls you that, there's a process to you actually becoming that. And so he was not Cephas throughout this journey, right? We can find Peter cussing when pressure came. Because how many of you know that's all a part of our growth process? Come on, if you cuss before salvation, sometimes you bring cussing into salvation. And you can think you're over it until a little pressure shows up. Right? He was trying to be Cephas when he said, uh, Jesus said, before the cock crow, he said, I'll never deny you, Jesus, and I'll die with you if I have to. He was trying to be Cephas till that pressure showed up. Jesus said, Peter, you're not quite ready yet. 
Before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. He said, no, I won't. I'd rather die with you. Right or wrong? Soon as that pressure showed up and the lady said, I recognize you. You're one of the, I told you, I had never seen that in my life. Come on, somebody else saw him a little further down. Hey, I recognize you. You're the one that was with Jesus. You better shut the moon. I told you. I ain't never. Now what? Now what? How many of y'all know he went all the way with it? But Jesus still saw him as Cephas while he was cussing. Hello? Hello? Come on, you don't have to have it all together. Just keep working on it. Come on, just keep heading in the direction of what he called you. Stop beating yourself up. Come on, stop condemning yourself. God loves you right where you are as long as you're going towards what he called you. Of course, Peter Cephas hears that cock crow, and he's reminded of the words. He gets condemned, and he leaves Jesus. Right? I'm just trying to show you. At salvation, Jesus called him what he would be. Just trying to show you the progression of it. And we get knocked out when we make mistakes. Just get up and keep going. Come on, somebody. Okay, okay, you went through a divorce. Let's, let's, get, let's, get, let's have a better marriage the second time around. Come on, somebody. Okay, you, you slipped. You messed up. You did something you shouldn't have done. Come on, somebody. Let's get up. Dust ourselves off and get back in the race. Let's keep going. So he leaves. I'm done. I, I go a fishing. Jesus came back for his words. In John chapter 20, after his resurrection, came back for his words, didn't he? See, once Jesus calls you something, if you won't quit, he is committed to making sure that comes to pass in your life. So he finds him on the seashore, right? And he goes back and he cooks some fish for him. That's why I got to learn how to cook, because Jesus could cook. Come on, brothers. Come on, brothers. Come on, brothers. I'm confessing. I got to learn how to cook. I took my wife and daughter to breakfast yesterday, and my wife said, I can see. I'm never going to get breakfast in bed. My daughter was sitting right there, right at the restaurant. She said, I can see. It's never going to happen. Now, what I've done over the years, though, I've gotten up early in the morning, Went to her favorite restaurant, ordered breakfast, brought it home, put it on our plates, put it on the little breakfast tray, walked up there. But see, that's not, she, she appreciates that, but she want me in the kitchen. She wants some labor, some effort to go with that, right? You all getting anything out of this today? Come on, you are not the finished product yet. Come on, I said you are not the finished product yet. Jesus comes back. He says, do you love me more than these? Because he went back to his old occupation. Do you love me more than the fish that you're out here? Peter said, you know I love you more. He asked him that question three times. Third time he said, well, then go and feed my lambs. Next time we see Peter is in Acts chapter 4. Standing up and preaching a message. With all boldness, the same Peter that denied Jesus and cussed, now he's willing to die for him. They're threatening his life, and he's preaching Jesus. And 3,000 souls give their life to God. I want you all to know, that's what Jesus saw the first day he called him Cephas. And he had enough patience to wait on him to get there. Come on, somebody say, God's not done with me yet. 
You don't know who in your family he wants to use. That's right. You don't know who on your job he wants to use. That's right. You don't know who in your neighborhood he wants to use. That's right. Your job is to bring him Amen. to Jesus Amen. and let him take care of the rest. Tanique Jemison, if you're watching, thank you for bringing me to Bible study 29 years ago. Thank you for calling me and inviting me to Bible study 29 years ago. Thank you. I'm sure she didn't know inviting this young kid who you had to see me back then to understand. I'm sure she didn't know, but she invited me, and I went, and the rest is history. Somebody ought to thank God for the person that invited you. Come on, somebody ought to thank God for the person that brought you. Come on, somebody ought to thank God for the one that ministered to you and brought you to Jesus. Think about how your life was changed. Think about the other lives he wants changed through your life. So look at another example of this. God's heart for preferring. We're just looking at complementary text. God's heart for preferring and honoring others is expressed through Jesus' teaching as well. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Of course, this is end time revelation, right? The entire chapter of Matthew 25 first uh, starts out talking about the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Then we've got the parable of the talents, and all of these are end time prophecies. We've got the Son of Man will judge the nations. Let's pick the story up right there in verse 31. The Son of Man shall judge the nations. Beginning at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he shall sit on the throne of his glory. So we're talking about the return of Jesus. And he says, all the nations, ethnos, every race of people will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left hand. And I thought that was interesting that he referred to people as sheep and goats. And so I did a complete, really, study on that. I won't really bother you all with that today. I'll just kind of give you the bottom line, characteristics, differences between sheep and goats. Goats are rebellious. Goats are independent. Goats are destructive. Goats don't listen to anybody. Right? And when I studied this, you, over time, you know, they've kind of grown to look like each other. Early on, when they were first created, you couldn't really, you could distinguish a goat from a sheep. But now what's happened over time, they've grown to look really completely alike, and you can't really tell the difference from them one for the other. Only way you can tell the difference is in their behavior. So goat is independent, destructive, uh, really runs by itself, does everything on its own. Doesn't follow anybody. Sheep listens to the shepherd's voice. Sheep trust the shepherd for guidance, for provision, for protection. The sheep has to trust the shepherd for everything, and the sheep stays with its group. General characteristic to separate the two. So he said, I'm going to put the goats, the stubborn ones, on one side. The sheep, the ones that follow and listen on the other side. I'm speaking to all sheep today. I'm calling it. I'm speaking to all sheep today. Somebody better receive that. Said so he'll set the sheep on his right hand, the goats on his left. Then the king will say to these on his right hand, Come you, be blessed of my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared uh, for you for, from the foundation of the world. Now, he's getting ready to separate. Of course, we could have went in through a whole theological teaching on sheep and goats. But what my pastor always taught me, Apostle Price, was let the text interpret itself. If you keep reading, the answer to whatever you read is usually getting ready to follow. And so let the scripture interpret itself. Watch this. Now he's going to tell you the difference between sheep and goats. And it's real simple, folks. I mean, no, your salvation has to be seen. Okay, watch what he says here. 
Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. Interesting. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. I don't know about you folks, but I used to be the least. So that's why you want to be careful looking down on other people. You want to be careful talking about people and looking down on other people. Because they may be the same people you have to pass on your way down when they're on their way up. Come on, I'm preaching better than anybody saying amen in here today. We don't judge people. We help people. So a lot of people are going to say, why did that pastor go lease that, you know, so many square foot building? Why is he leasing that building? And putting refrigerators and washing machines and dryers and clothes and food and a pantry. What is that all about? The church gets no benefit from that. Are you crazy? The church gets the biggest benefit ever known to man when it cares about more than itself. When it realizes that it's in a community not to be the best building in the community, but to help the most people that it can in that community. Come on, somebody. And Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of my brethren, You actually did it to me. That's why he said in Proverbs, he that has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord himself will repay him. I didn't have this in my notes, but I want to show you the other side to this because it just makes it so clear. Verse 41, then he will say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. Notice it wasn't prepared for you. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But he's saying when you don't care about people, we don't care about more than just yourself. So if you understand what he's saying here, a saved life that is a changed life wants to see others li- other lives saved and changed. And if they have anything within their ability or their power to do it, they are more than willing to help. It's never prepared for you, me, or anyone else. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and nobody came to see me. See, so some of the greatest people you'll ever meet are in prison right now. Ready to come out and change the world. Some of the greatest people you ever meet might be homeless right now. And we don't want to act like we can't touch them. We can't be around them because of the way they smell. Come on, they can't sit down and eat at our table. Come on, because they haven't taken a bath in a few days. They can't come in our church because our carpet is new. We got to isolate them in certain parts of the building. No, folks, I'm telling you, Jesus wants to change their lives just like he changed your life. These are strong words here. 
Then they will also answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison? And we did not minister to you. Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Every person I'm speaking to in this room right now is the righteous and will enter into eternal life. Every person I'm speaking to watching online right now, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and you will enter into eternal life. But you must get past just attending church to make your conscience feel good. You've got to live out your truth. And part of living out your truth is helping other people like we're doing for Thanksgiving. Hello. It's bigger than us. He didn't give us this building, folks, just so that we can. I'll be at a city council meeting this Friday. Powder Springs City Council meeting. All I want to talk about is not how Powder Springs can help Linked Up Church. How can Linked Up Church help Powder Springs? That's my agenda. It's not about us. God didn't put us here to, to get help from you all. He put us here to give help to this community. So what are the needs? Where are the holes? And how can we work together to fill those? Come on, how can we get every unemployed person employed? How can we get every homeless person heading towards some place to live? How can we get every person that needs food, some food in their belly? How can we get everyone that doesn't have a job employed? Come on, Linked Up Church, it's bigger than us. This is about other people. So God's emphasis concerning our priorities in life relative to our relationship with others can be seen in various places throughout Scripture. I'm going to go through these very quickly. It's 10 o'clock up there on that clock, so I've got to start winding down. Let's look at the example of Job, right? Go with me to Job chapter 42, verse 10. We all know the story of Job, right? Job lost everything. And Job chapter 1 gives us some insight into why he lost everything. Job chapter 1 tells us the thing that Job feared the most came upon him. And what he feared was he was constantly talking about his children not serving God. And and if they, I don't do this, my children aren't going to serve God. And that was his greatest fear. And of course, the enemy heard that and saw that as a window and an opportunity to sneak in there. Job ends up losing everything over the course of Job's life. Job has some friends. How many know sometimes your friends can mean well, but they don't give you good advice from time to time? Right? Even so much so, one of Job's friends said, Joe, you should just curse God and die. I don't know about you, but I don't want a friend like that in my life. Right? And Job, after a while, started listening to his friends, and, and then he started questioning God. Whenever you start questioning God, check your company that you're keeping it and the people that you are running around. Come on, check. You must, you got to, when you start questioning God, And God had to remind Job. When Job started questioning God, God had to remind him, Job, where were you when I hung the stars in the the heaven? Come on, God had to remind Job, Job, where were you when I hung the sun? Job, of course, then came to himself. Let's pick the story up in Job 42, verse 10. Part of Job coming to himself Look what was required. Job 42, verse 10. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. And indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. You've got to learn how to pray for the people who hurt you. Come on, I'm preaching better than anybody saying amen. It shows your growth and your maturity, and it puts you in position for God to restore back to you more than what you lost. So instead of talking about them and putting your mouth on them, pray for them. I'm preaching better than anybody saying amen right now. 
And I'm talking about the one you can't stand. The one you can't stand when they come in the room. I'm talking about the one that make your skin crawl. I'm talking about the one that if you can put, get both hands around their neck at one time, you'd break it. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about, that's the one I'm talking about. That you need to set aside time to pray for them. Isn't that interesting? When Job prayed for his friends, the very ones that were giving him the horrible advice. Because what you've got to understand is most people do what they do in ignorance. And they need your prayers so that their eyes can be open. How would they ever know what God is like if you don't show them? You mean I did that to you and you still want to treat me to lunch? That's what Jesus would do. Let's look at Peter. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. You all getting anything out of this today? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Peter is admonishing husbands to treat their wives with honor and respect at all times. I hear female amens. Peter is admonishing husbands to treat their wives with honor and respect at all times. Peter is admonishing husbands to treat their wives with honor and respect at all times. We're getting there. Peter is admonishing husbands to treat their wives with honor and respect at all times. Hello! And future wives and daughters. Hello, somebody. Notice what he says. So that your prayers, notice how you treat your wife impacts you. You're not getting away with anything. God loves her as much as he loves you. God sees everything. And a man that can't get a prayer through, what can he really do in life? Sometimes we don't understand God can't hear us because we won't listen to her. And listen, I'm a man. We all got to work on this. All right, I'll just move on. I can tell I lost the service right there. I almost felt like I saw somebody out there like. Another service got to come in. Move on. Last one, James chapter 5. See what James has to say about this. See, notice all of these that I'm reading. What happens to us is contingent upon how we treat other people. Amen. See that? That's why I don't put my mouth on people. I don't care what they do. You're not going to have find me talking about them. Good, bad, or indifferent. I just leave people alone. Whoever you are will show up over time. Whatever people say about me, just give it a little time. Whoever I am, you'll see it over an extended period of time. That's why you got to have confidence in your own personal relationship with God. James chapter 5. Confess your trespasses, verse 16, one to another, and pray for one another. Interesting here. That you may be healed. Isn't that something? Praying for somebody else brings healing to your life. And how many know it's not always physical healing that we need? Some folks need mental healing. 
Some folks need spiritual healing. Come on, somebody. It's not always sickness and disease, but it's when we pray for other people that we bring healing to ourselves because the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Notice in all three of these situations, the receiving of the blessing was contingent upon the obedience of the individual making things right with the other person. All three of them were. So I'm trying to show you, folks, other people matter to God. How you see other people matters to God. When you see a homeless person, how do you look at them? That matters to God. All three of these instances here, our ability to, to move forward is contingent upon how we treat other people. Let me balance that a little bit. I also realize that when another person's will is involved, we don't have total control over the outcome of the relationship. But listen, but we are called to do everything within our own power to promote wholeness in that relationship. Put this down for your verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, if it is possible, as much as lies within you or depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So, in other words, control what you can control. You can't control their response. You can only control your intentions. And if you do what's right because it's right, then God will honor you. Let's all stand to our feet. And so as we conclude this today, first things first, if we'll keep God's priorities for our lives, we'll stay healthy, we'll stay balanced, and we'll stay productive in life. Listen to this very carefully. Because his priorities, keeping him as our first love, his kingdom first, and others have become our priorities, then we'll always have his full support in everything that we do. When we keep his priorities, our priorities, we'll have his full support in everything that we do. I want you to grab neighbors, grab hands with a neighbor right now. And there are three areas we covered right there. And I don't know what you're dealing with, what you're going through in life. I really don't know where you're at. But Job went through a tough time and Job lost everything. But Job couldn't get restored until he prayed for his friends who gave him all that bad advice. And sometimes we can't get into a new healthy relationship because we can't get over the old. What to help you get over it is praying for that person. Second area we looked at to me was equally as powerful, right? Peter. Marriage is the greatest reflection of God in the earth. When he said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, he created a marriage. Created male and female. That union is what ministers to, that's why it's under such attack. So I don't know if you need to pray for your spouse today, your future spouse. And that third one was was, was real good. Says sometimes you need to confess your trespasses. Sometimes it's us that we're wrong. And we've got to learn how to be the bigger person and go back to somebody and say, hey, I was wrong. Now let's pray. And notice it'll bring healing to your life. So however you're led today, I'll lead corporately. You go ahead and pray right there at your seat. But let's pray right now. Let's act on the Word of God today. And so, Father, as a corporate body today... We pray in the name of Jesus and and the authority of your word, Father. I pray right now for every person in here that has suffered loss, Father. I pray that you'll give them a heart to pray for the people and the hands that may have brought them that loss, Father. And as a result of their willingness to pray for the people who have hurt them the most, disappointed them the most, Father, you're going to restore back to them everything that they're lost and they're going to get double for their trouble. 
Father, I pray for marriages right now, that husbands would honor their wives and treat their wives with respect all the days of their lives, Father, and that wives will live in a submissive attitude towards their husbands, Father, look to win their husbands by their lifestyles, Father. We know that when husbands and wives are working together within their roles, Father, it is the greatest reflection of who you are in the earth, Father. It is the greatest reflection of unity and oneness and a great description of your love, Father. So I pray for marriages and future marriages right now. May they resemble that love in the earth, Father. And now I pray for us, Father, any of us that have been hurt, any of us that are sick right now, physically, mentally, Father, spiritually, socially, emotionally, financially, Father, any person that is sick that needs healing right now, we pray for others right now. We pray for their minds, Father. We pray for their souls. We pray for their spirits, Father. We pray for every aspect of their being right now, Father, that you will restore wholeness to them, Father, that their lives will be healed, changed, and made whole. And we know in doing and so, Father, in praying for them, we receive healing for ourselves, spirit, soul, and body. And now, Father, we believe we prayed according to your will and according to your word. And, Father, just as 1 John chapter 5 says, this is the confidence that we have in you, that when we pray anything according to your will, we know that you hear us, and we know that we have the petitions that we desired of you. So now, Father, we lift up our voices in one accord, and we give you the thanksgiving and the glory and the honor for it now. Come on, let's release thanksgiving in this place. Come on, lift up your voices. Come on, lift up your voices. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout glory to God. Come on, give God all the praise. God, you're a good God. You're a great God. You're a wonderful Savior, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you are awesome in this earth. You are my senior partner in the earth. You lead, you guide, you direct, you heal, you make whole, you deliver. You lead me in the victory, and I give you the glory for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God the glory for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, while you're in that attitude of prayer, while you're in that attitude of worship today, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know, do know that there's a good God that sees you as a finished product. And all you've got to do is cooperate with him. So if you've never made his son, Jesus, the Lord of your life, I want to invite you to do so today by confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised him from the grave. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. I want to bring you into the kingdom. I want to come get you, and I want to bring you to Jesus today so that he can give you the best life that you've ever dreamed about. Secondarily, you might be in this building today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm already saved, but I got away from God. I just went back out into the world. To sit